0: welcome you have arrived at the silicon sasquatch podcast this is our 56th episode i am nick cummings and today i've got two very special guests uh who are on all the time they're tyler martin hello hello and doug Bonham.
1: and just because we're on all the time doesn't mean we're not special
0: it makes you more special it means that you got you show you show commitment you show moxie you bring it to the table you, so, there's
2: gotta be some degree of irony to the fact that the two people that are not in your time zone are the ones that are most reliably available.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we should, um, <laughs> we should bring that up more often. Uh, not here today for, uh, reasons unknown. Aaron Thayer and Spencer Tordoff, who, as best as I can tell, is on a weekend long bender in Las Vegas. And that is pretty much the last sentence I ever thought I'd say about <laughs> our man Spencer. But, so be it. I you know uh, he's probably
2: hacking a casino right now.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just like has this name tag there, Acid Burn, trying to figure out how to get into the slots. Uh so since they're not here, we're just gonna bro out and talk about the the broiest game that ever broed. Uh which bro is Force? Call of Duty. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that too. Bro Force is pretty broy. Yep. But it ain't got nothing on Call of Duty. Do the do. Do the do.
1: That's the funny thing, is after we talked last week on the podcast about, oh, what's like a big AAA game that's going to wow us and excite us, then the preview, like, pre-release the, hype for Call of Duty started catching up with us.
2: Then the last fucking game that we ever expected to wow and surprise us managed to somehow wow and surprise us.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad I didn't go on record saying that it wasn't going to succeed. Because I would be eating my words right now.
1: That would be some rapid action karma right there. Yeah, like yeah I, a mean, nice I would deserve it.
0: Doritos. <laughs> I'd be punished, sentenced to like do boarding or something. But um... <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> and that's when you know that Call of Duty is jump jump the shark when it's a shocking moment of the game is anyway. Uh, but no, I we we've we've talked a lot about Call of Duty over the years. I don't think any of us has ever been ambiguous about the fact that we we tend to like those games, you know, we acknowledge their faults and sometimes they're not as good as the other ones, but it's not a series that I've ever looked at and been like, man, I just hope they take this thing out to pasture.
2: Like any game that comes out on an annual basis, you're going to have great years and you're going to have mediocre years and you might even have some bad years that are worth skipping.
0: Yeah, and apparently last year is the closest they've come to a year that's just worth skipping. I didn't play much of Ghosts, but... Uh, I, I only played a bad.
2: multiplayer, like, beta or, like, demo-ish type thing, and I enjoyed it for being like, hey, this is another multiplayer Call of Duty game, but it never compelled me to purchase the full version of the game.
0: Yeah, I uh, I did the same thing. I picked it up on a Steam-free weekend and played a few hours. We streamed it, actually, a while back, but, um yeah, it... I've, I've dabbled in multiplayer a bit since, like, the last time I really leveled up in a Call of Duty game was Modern Warfare 2, which I guess was, what, 2009?
1: Mm-hmm. That
0: so, was it that long ago? Yeah, because Modern Warfare 1 was 2007, so, um, yeah, and it felt like kind of the craziness of Black Ops was there, but not, like, the balance I was looking for. It just felt a little bit too out of control.
2: Modern um, Warfare two is where they introduce a lot of this stuff that we just kind of I like, just let it be now. Like things like the the blunt force trauma tags and that sort of thing. Like that was all introduced in Modern Warfare 2.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the the overt pandering to their base didn't really begin until Modern Warfare two. Right. Um uh, which, you know, credit to Treyarch for resisting that urge when they put out World of War the year before that. But but yeah, let's um let's try and contextualize this game a bit because i you know i've I've played every game in the series uh maybe ghosts the least but uh it's had ups and downs i think we you know typically i did i didn't finish it
2: oh you poor bastard
0: yeah i know (laughs) i didn't even try the multiplayer either which is apparently the only good part of that game but uh i
2: can't imagine going back to a call of duty multiplayer before modern warfare 2 or modern warfare
1: 1 now
0: yeah, I tried it once with Call of Duty 2, shortly after 4 came out, and it was... Well, one, you're using, like, bolt-action rifles. Yeah, it's and, still World War II era. Yeah, and it's, like, launch graphic quality, where it just looked <laughs> like... There were no textures, basically. Oh, yeah. It's just ugly. World I War
2: had bolt-action guns, but they were super powerful, especially once you got attachments.
0: Yeah, plus, weren't there, like, all kinds of grenades and flamethrowers? No, flamethrowers were... No, really.
2: flamethrowers were definitely in
0: uh, World at War, because it was Pacific okay. Theater stuff. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, Treyarch loves its flames. Um, that fire attack. Yeah. But I, I, I think I have to say, like, I'm close to the end of the campaign. I sunk probably about four hour, four or five hours into the multiplayer. And uh, overall, uh, this is probably the best complete Call of Duty I've played since I want to say Modern Warfare. Like, it's It's not, like, the same kind of major reinvention that was so successful back then, where it jumped from, you know, World War II combat to the present. But uh, the quality of everything, the pacing of the the campaign is the most just, like, to me, polished, relentless, and precise I've ever seen.
2: Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you. Uh, I never played uh, Black Ops 2 and um, didn't really play a lot of Ghosts. But I've always really enjoyed the, the Treyarch take on things. Like, I know some people have kind of viewed them as being the also-ran developers to Infinity Ward. But I thought what they were doing was interesting and new. And it didn't need to be the same thing as what Infinity Ward did with their games. So I'm kind of <laughs> glad to see uh, a new developer kind of helm the franchise. Because, of course, Call of Duty is going to be Call of Duty no matter what. There's some things about it that just aren't going to change. But it does feel like there is a new pillar or a new fork for Call of Duty now. And I'll be interested to see, like, for next year's game, uh, I think it's a Treyarch year. So it'll be interesting to see, do they take lessons from this? Or do they kind of become the new Infinity War where we're just like, we're the top dog. We don't need to learn lessons from other guys. We do what we do.
0: I think it'll be interesting to see because I you know, Infinity War kind of had its big fall from grace with Ghost, where it was the lowest reviewed uh, game in the series for years, and um, you know, the year before, Black Ops 2 had actually done pretty well, critically and commercially. Um, Even if it ended with an Avenged Sevenfold concert, I wish I was making this up. I forgot about that. (laughs) That was the dumbest thing. That was when I thought, oh my god, these guys really do need three years to figure their shit out, (laughs) because...
2: I don't know, like, I remember the end of Black Ops 1, and I couldn't tell if they were like in on the joke or not, but just the ending of that game with you like coming out of this like underwater base yeah. surrounded by <laughs> American aircraft carriers with like American flags waving and jets like literally like flying over you like blue angel style. Yeah, in formation. And I was like, Is is this a joke? Are they like are they
0: totally serious? Like, yeah, America I, I, I don't, I don't know because I think their base really looks for that. Like you, probably, no, totally, which is why I'm like, I would
2: honestly believe you either way. If you told me like, no, Treyarch just thought this would be hilarious, <laughs> then I'd be like, oh great, thank God. But if you also like, no, like, they thought this was
0: amazing. Like, you should totally do this. Like, this is how you have to end the game. I was like, oh god, that was their tearjerker moment.
2: Oh god, like, who have I been supporting all this time?
0: <laughs> Nationalist
2: propagandists. Mm. <laughs> yeah, just like jingoism like condensed to like a gel form that you just rub all over your body
1: where somebody took a look at the uh team america world police theme song and we like yeah we're all about that
2: what do you mean satire
1: yeah. <laughs> wait this was a joke
2: <laughs> uh but yeah uh, the, mm. the, uh, infinity war or basically the whole like call of duty Uh, mechanism that Activision has built for itself was kind of thrown into flux once uh, West and Zempella, the studio heads for Infinity Ward, took their ball and made a giant robot out of it. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, Ghost, like, it, it just feels like the kind of game that lacks any kind of coherent direction or focus. Like, it's just, someone's like, what if we put more dogs in it? Or what if we gave the dog a camera? And they were just like done. Do it. We need this. We need it to ship in fourteen months. Yep. Next, mm. they'll make the dogs shoot bees out of their mouths. So, Advanced Warfare definitely feels like someone had has a mission or has an idea for what Call of Duty can
0: be or should be. So, what is Advanced Warfare's like message or mission then? Like if you guys had to kind of sum it up, based on your experience playing it, and just, like, what we talked about.
2: I think, well, if you want to really get inside baseball, uh, this game was supposed to come out years ago. But and it was also really? supposed to be a third-person shooter. Ah, uh, right. <laughs> like, Sledgehammer was made of ex-visceral devs
1: after oh, Dead, the Space Dead Space 1. Hmm.
2: Yeah. And they got sidetracked after Weston and Zampella left into basically helping ship Modern Warfare 3. And I think they just were kind of like the support crew for Call of Duty games up until, like, the, the three-studio structure was put into place where they were like, okay, Infinity Ward has their shit together, Treyarch already knows what they're doing, so now you guys have enough time and manpower to make your own game. But by the time that happened, uh, it could no longer be a third-person shooter. It had to be another Call of Duty game. Mm. And I feel like this is kind of a reaction to, you guys have played a lot of Call of Duty games, so you're used to these games playing a certain way. But I think first and foremost, they were just interested in making it more playable and adding some things that aren't possible
0: when you're very closely adhering to a modern warfare-style story. Mm Mm-hmm. So you said it started as a third person shooter. Was that like a Call of Duty spinoff, or was it something else entirely?
2: No, it was definitely a Call of Duty spinoff. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be Call of Duty. It was, it Duty was still spin-off. Advanced Warfare, huh? But it was just a different, fra- not different franchise. It was just a spinoff. It was like Call of Duty colon something else. But yeah, it was it was probably going to be like a more fast paced version of Dead Space. Interesting. Maybe without like the the limb removal or whatever.
0: Yeah. Eigh. So, from like from a narrative standpoint, um, Call of Duty has always been rooted in uh, more or less the modern era to like the last eighty years, basically. You know, it started out as a World War II shooter that played from multiple perspectives. The first three games were all like that, and then the fourth one made the jump to the modern. And then you kind of had like these other side stories. World at War came after that, took place during World War II. Then there was Black Ops, which is the seventies. And Black Ops 2, which is, like, very near future uh, with some throwback missions. i got uh, to they...
2: give a lot of respect to Treyarch especially. Like, I know Infinity Ward had, like, the Captain Price in World War Two and the Captain Price in modern day. But you can draw pretty much a straight line from World at War, Black Ops, and Black Ops 2 in terms of the storytelling. Like, there are actual characters, not just names, that are the same characters through all three games. And there is a story being told of like consequences of things that happened in World War II, uh, things that happened during the Cold War, things that are happening in like whatever near future warfare is going
0: on in Black Ops 2. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, they really, they took an established series and I don't know how hard it was to convince Activision to allow this, but really kind of made it their own. Like they created their own kind of universe within it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, it's not, you know, love or hate it. Some people don't like those games as much. I was never as big of a Treyarch fan as Infinity Ward, but, um, but yeah, I mean, like the series has more or less existed in kind of, it's taken some risks here and there, but it's really kind of existed within like a purview of like, this is pretty much stuff we can see that's on the horizon. Like we know that this stuff is in development. It's been around for years. And then they make a jump 40 years in the future with, uh, Advanced Warfare, where, uh biggest change is how you actually move around the battlefield
2: i i'd be really curious to see who they're talking to like who are the researchers that are telling them like this is the direction the military is going or this is the kind of hypothetical mm-hmm. technology that we might see i, yeah, I would really question. like to think that this isn't just all stuff they just pulled out of their ass just like wouldn't it be cool if we had jet boots
0: or mute bombs yeah.
1: yeah, I think some of it's been extrapolated a little bit, like, oh, this is an idea, it doesn't really work right now, but they're trying to work on it, and so then they kind of took it, and I guess it's nice to see they have some sort of narrative freedom with that, or just some sort of creative license with it, because it's it's made it a lot more interesting, and you know, okay, some yeah. of it's maybe dumb stuff for gameplay purposes, but it's it, it makes the gameplay more fun.
2: I understand that, like, whenever you're dealing with near-future stuff, like, the things that you are imagining are never actually as interesting as what actually exists. Like I it's the kind of thing you can see if you go and play Alien Isolation is that yeah. they're building off of the sci fi universe created by a movie that came out 30, 35 years ago. Yeah. So you're talking about really advanced spaceships and space stations with like super old C R T like single two color monitors. And so the things that we're going to see in Advanced Warfare are most likely going to be less advanced than what we actually see in 40 years. But yeah. as long as there's like some sort of like actual speculation going on and not just a developer saying, I want to have this, find a narrative reason for this to exist.
0: Yeah, I think like all the innovations that you get in the game... Really are there to enhance the core experience that's been there forever. Like uh, the way the HUD's been redone to show like all your not just your ammo but your grenade count is always on your weapon. Yeah, it, it kind of makes a. It, it's a subtle little thing that makes it a little bit more immersive and makes you think, yeah, like that's actually a tech that could totally exist. Um, the one, it shows with,
1: like, the, the the difference between your assault grenades and then your supporting grenades, and that's a nice difference as well.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's been there in the series, but. um It's nice to see it all concentrated in one place and kind of made more clear thanks to like heads-up display technology that I guess apparently is plausible. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm enough about it, but um, the the exosuit stuff is kind of the the biggest like I I think that was the biggest risk in that whole entire game. The premise of it, the way it plays, like adding verticality and adding uh, fast movement to Call of Duty uh, could have very easily made it feel like a very different game. Like it's only. You know, once you have du- you have double jumping, you're pretty damn close to Quake territory. But um, Not close I feel enough. like it.
1: <laughs>
0: I mean, I would play Quake until I die. But um, I like the I've always liked the pace and the feel of Call of Duty's uh, multiplayer. And I got to say, um, as someone who also really enjoyed Titanfall more than most people, uh, largely because of the way movement felt, um, this feels like a good middle ground where it doesn't feel like it's trying to outright ape that game. And instead, it feels like this is a game that was designed to feel just like Call of Duty, to feel very much, you know, like like putting on a glove, but with these additions that fit in that core dynamic, like the side dashing. um, It does feel to
2: me like whatever respawn does next, and it's probably going to be either a Titanfall experience or a Titanfall Two. They need to find something else to do differently or they need to find m- more ways or new ways to distinguish themselves because it doesn't feel like just having giant robots is really enough to make that game its own animal in a world where advanced warfare now
0: exists i would agree with that um they I, I mean they're they're gonna need to keep the robots no matter what because it's in the title they're called titans but uh,
2: (laughs) like literally their shtick so yeah
0: yeah which is kind of a risk in naming it that but um yeah it'll be interesting to see how they respond because just doing a bigger and badder titanfall isn't gonna turn that series around
2: especially if it's multi-platform yeah i don't know like how dedicated the the xbox audience is is i wonder if the numbers will change even more once the the halo collection drops later this year or later mm. this year, like, in
0: a
1: week.
0: Yeah. Um, one thing, I, the last thing I want to mention about Call of Duty, and then anything else you guys want to talk about, is uh, I'm noticing, like you mentioned in Modern Warfare 2, that was when they introduced the all the marijuana, like, stuff for customizing your tag on multiplayer. Like, the <laughs> one-force trauma, like, you know, which got, like, a chuckle out of me, but then I was like, oh, God, everyone's going to use this because they're all playing stone out of their minds. Uh, is this kind of tonal difference that's become very pronounced between the single-player and multiplayer in a Call of Duty game, where, like, uh, is it really have the same...
2: totally different though?
0: I think it is in terms of how you, how it talks to the player. So, um, you can still customize your emblem and, like, the background and all that, but you have, like, you know, on the one hand, you have, like, you know, pictures of scantily clad women that you can put as, as your little emblem or tag or whatever, uh, and dumb little jokes like that. I did see uh, the
2: one of, like, the woman in a bikini riding a bear.
0: Yeah, and, and like... I don't really know what what that's
2: really going for.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure where that came from. But like, things like that, you know, just very basic objectification. Kind of like, you know, stereotypically male-leaning stuff like that. And then you have the campaign where you don't see imagery like that anywhere. And the all the women characters in the game are not like, you know, these objectified damsels. Although, like, whatever her name is, is Ilona, the, yeah. the Russian? Yeah. Yeah, she's wearing quite a bit of eye makeup, but whatever, that's her thing. And I know Um,
2: that um, they introduced this in Ghosts, too, but you also have a suite of female options for multiplayer. That is true. And you have other races for your dude, too, which... I mean, I'm a white guy, but I appreciate that. Like, I'm currently playing as an Asian man, ironically, named Martin.
1: Huh.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I appreciate that, too. I liked um, seeing the diversity there. The fact that, like... I can't remember for sure but I thought that like my impression was most of them were not white and I was like that's that's really cool like seeing I'd be a fair interested bit of representation in seeing more options available for the
2: women I think right now it's only like a half dozen
0: Yeah it's in. like 5 compared to 11 with men. Yeah it's at least I twice think. that for dudes. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean I don't mean to like
2: I'm sure that's based entirely just on like Activision's own like demographic research like saying like this proportion of our audience is interested in playing as women make this many women's skins or whatever.
0: Yeah, Precisely this
2: many. Oh, I have no doubt that Activision told them make exactly this many and no more, no less.
1: <laughs> I I'm, I'm would not be surprised to see that Activision has extensive analytics about that.
0: They They surely have to at this point, right? Yeah. It's worth too much money to them not to.
1: This has become such a refined science, the Call of Duty development labs surely have all the information they could possibly need
2: as someone that worked in a corporate environment I'd be terrified to see like all the spreadsheets attached to Call of Duty metrics and oh, just spending day after day looking at Excel talking about fucking guns and shit
0: yeah yeah, Ugh, not for me
2: uh, any other thoughts about Call of Duty? Um, well, we haven't really discussed the story very much Okay, and let's do so it. So I do th- find it odd that you talk about that tonal shift because yeah, the story has some serious beats, but it, it also seems super shallow to me at times. Like you're farther along than I am, but it definitely seems like they're going for like Kevin Spacey's like the greedy evil like PMC CEO, right? Like yeah, okay. So <laughs> just yeah, it's supposed to be like the good guy. Who's there's obviously not the really going to be some sort of swerve at the end where it's like no, you, you he's he's a complicated man who wants complicated things. It's like, no, he's fucking like mustache twirling evil McBad guy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean like I don't mean to imply the game maybe not shallow so much as predictable or like rote. Like mm. the plot in the game does throws no curveballs at you really. Like I, I'm not I, at the very end but I
2: really wish though, given the fact that Call of Duty has its reputation for being a series where a large portion of the audience just completely ignores the single player. And just go straight for the multiplayer. I I wish they took more chances. I wish they took more risks in the narrative. Uh, I'll only spoil the very first mission in case anyone actually cares about what happens in the story. But you start as a member of the U.S. military, yes?
0: Yeah, you're in the Marine Corps. Yep.
2: And uh, basically you and your best friend are caught on this, uh, like, vertibird or whatever... I don't know what it's actually called. And his door, his hand gets stuck in a door that you just put a bomb into. And he does the heroic thing and tells you, Go on, bro! Live without me! And he pushes you off of the, the vertibird rather than trying to continue to pry his arm out.
0: As it's taking off.
2: Yeah, and having spoken to people that I've actually served and read, like, plenty of, like, actual narratives written or at least dictated by people that have served in combat, that seems both, like, it seems like a kind of a realistic idea in your head when you hear about, like, people jumping on grenades and stuff. But in reality, it is complete fantasy. Like, when people jump on grenades, it's an impulse decision. It's not I'm having a conversation in my head and I choose to jump on it. Or never
1: mind a conversation with an actual other person.
2: Right. Right. If Whenever someone is actually facing death, they are not like, live without me. It's always like, oh my god, save my fucking life, I don't want to die. And I I would have loved to have seen that in a Call of Duty game. To have seen, like, your character is living with this guilt. That he works for the PMC company of the father of the man he that died.
1: His best and friend. Yeah, I
2: would have loved to have seen him... Basically, face the fact that he abandoned his friend. Like, yeah, he, it would have been nice if his friend was like, "Hey, help me get my hand out of this door," and your if your character had just been like, "No, bro, like this shit's gonna blow. I gotta fucking peace out."
0: Yeah,
1: I I think it would have been better if they'd done it wordlessly. If they could, yeah. Do it with, no, with I'm, just I'm not saying they should
2: have like a script to this, but if they had had that moment where your character is making a conscious decision to leave him behind so that he can live. Rather than your friend basically would say no, it's okay, get out of here, like that just seems so re- unrealistic and so like Hollywood to me. And I know, I know this is like Michael Bay, the video game, but still, it was. It just took me far out of the moment. I was like, come on, yeah. No one who is in that situation would act that way. And then no. try
1: to live with the thing, like everybody saying, oh, he told you to keep going. He told you like. Or he, he like, pushed me away. Like to kind of lie about that would be an interesting trait as well.
0: And there's no survivor's guilt shown by the main character at any point in the story. Like no, like wrestling with like the oh my god, like you know did he did he register with the PMC as a favor? I mean, it seems like they kind of just hooked him up with, um, you know, some much needed supplies after that first mission.
1: But <laughs> beyond that, like to put to put it mildly,
0: yeah, uh, they gave him a, they gave him a hand after that nasty fall, but boo. <laughs> But, like, yeah, I, I, I totally get what you guys are saying. Like, I wish that. Um, I wish they had the courage to make a game that showed, like, war as it is. Like, with a moment where, like, people lose their courage, where they realize, like, oh shit, I'm, I could very well die out here. And, like, just showing, like, that, that fragility.
2: The closest the series has ever came was Modern Warfare 1 after that nuke blows up where your character is, like, slowly limping across, like, this now radiation zone like this bombed out hellscape and even that didn't have a lot of like didn't have a lot more to it than other than just limping over to a corner and quietly dying yeah so and they've been trying to chase that moment
1: again ever since
0: yeah and they've been failing like remember no russian from modern warfare 2 yeah yeah that big scene that was made to be like the, oh yeah, guys, this is going to be a really shocking, moving scene. And it's not, because you're basically just walking through an airport while these people commit, like, acts of terror. And it's like, okay, I can shoot these people too, or I cannot.
1: Well, it was shocking, but it wasn't and It wasn't the same really sort of gravitas.
0: Any...
2: Game developers have a very hard time making you kind of care or connect to uh, non-living people, basically, and... To put like no Russian in perspective, like how much more meaningful would that mission have been if you had to first walk through the airport without the guns and see like this people walking about going to certain terminals, shopping for snacks or whatever, and then you had to pick up your guns and open fire on them. Instead of starting the mission in like um, the loading dock and just walking out and open firing. Like you have no reason to care ...about the humanity of people that are just running around screaming at that point. Like, they're just more targets in that point of the game.
1: Yeah, it, it would have been earned a lot better that way. These developers need
2: to find ways, if they want you to feel emotion... ...to make you care about someone who does not exist. And it should not be that difficult, because it is something that... ...authors of the written word have been doing for centuries... Yeah, so when you're having virtual characters like that are capable of demonstrating real emotion and doing things that you can't do in other media, it shouldn't be that difficult. And especially Call of Duty like pick what you're trying to do. If you don't want to have that emotional resonance, then give up the ghost. But or ghosts you... as it were. God damn it, Doug. <laughs> But it's, uh... if you, if you want people to give a shit, if you want to be thought of as someone who's actually trying to do some like something interesting narratively, then try harder. You got to find a, a new a new way to do this because yeah, just killing off your only name your only named like playable character like how often do you actually see what they look like or that's kind of a recent thing with like. What was it, Modern Warfare 2, where you finally saw what Soap looked like?
0: No, that was... Um, the first game to show your character, I thought, was Black Ops.
2: Okay. Yeah, Mason. Oh, God. What a terrible yeah. character that was.
0: But then Modern Warfare 3, I think you play as Price in a couple missions and you see Soap. Mm. Um, which was not a great game. But, um, like,
2: I've never given a shit when they killed off the p- character I was playing as because it's the next mission I'm playing as a new character.
0: With identical skills, identical movement. Yeah, the only the only difference
2: is like whatever like the loading military emblem is before I start the mission.
0: Yeah, Yeah. those stories always felt disjointed to me because of that fact, like the fact that like they tried to tell you this globe trotting multi perspective story, but did just an absolutely terrible job of transitioning the player's conception of like who am who am I right now? What is this person's motivation? What are we fighting?
2: Even Modern Warfare One, which is kind of Regarded for doing that whole like nuclear bomb scene. Like, it struggled I, I, that too, though. I didn't care when my Marine died because he meant nothing to me. Yeah. And the previous mission I'd been playing as a British SAS agent, and the next mission I was back to playing as that British SAS agent. So, what difference did it make that my Marine died? It in its them. own
1: way, that's kind of an interesting thing to talk about. How you're just another faceless, nameless soldier on the battlefield, but it doesn't really earn the gravitas it's trying to get. That's not the <laughs> point you're it's saying building that towards.
2: Infinity War did that deliberately. I think you're giving them way too much credit. Right,
1: and that's that's what I mean. Is like that it's interesting, but it's not what they were building towards at all.
0: Yeah, I don't think they were trying to make you mourn the death of your soldier in that nuclear blast. I think they were trying to show you like let's let's just completely shift gears show you a completely different side of this violence and leave you powerless
2: that was just it was complete shock value though like I feel like there would have been better ways to do that besides a nuclear fucking bomb
1: because yeah i think uh, you can
2: you can count the number of times yeah. a nuclear mm-hmm. bomb has gone off in
1: on planet earth on one hand in like, warfare in there's warfare. been a ton of tests
0: yes and there continue yes. to be which is just great
2: you can count the amount of like the number of times it has been executed to the extent of loss of life on one hand
1: yeah two fingers thankfully yeah. yes. um i think the um what, what another was another podcast i was listening to the uh one of the hosts used the phrase this is the empathy equivalent of jump scares yes yeah completely cheap completely unearned but It's trying to draw something.
2: Much more effective, even in the same game in Modern Warfare One, was the scene where you were playing as some uh, politician, I think, and it's like the intro credits scene where you're like getting in the taxi, you're being driven around, and you're basically put in front of a crowd and they put a bullet between your eyes. Yeah, that that surprised me.
0: And I thought that was more effective too.
2: Yeah, because you're not just moving from, like, combat zone to combat zone. Like, it was actual, like, this is just a dude going to a place. Like, I didn't know what they were going for. But again, it's still, like, just emotional scare, uh, jump scares.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, we're not, we haven't finished the campaign. Maybe it'll surprise us in the end, but, um... I, I guess mm-hmm. what feels like the biggest missed opportunity to me so far is, like, this is a series that, um... I don't know if you guys played the original first two games or not. Um, but yes, no,
1: yes, no. Okay. (laughs) Uh,
0: so Tyler, you might, you might agree or disagree with me on this, but I felt like the first game in particular and the second game to an extent really made an effort to build genuine gravitas. And those, those pivotal moments, like, um, especially like in the, I think back to the Russian campaign in the first game where you're like trying to take back the, the red square and, um, the way that everything in that game built up to that moment where like, you know, you, you have these like squad mates who are there with you through the first few missions, and then like, you know, everything about the presentation, the way you enter it, the way like it just establishes the chaos of that conflict. I feel like it does a better job of like it did a better job back then of making you feel like you're part of something like really significant, really like dramatic. And
2: when I talk about uh the way I'm looking at this franchise, I'm I'm almost exclusively talking about the postmodern warfare games because I feel like there is emotional resonance you can get out of World War Two that you can't get out of modern conflicts yet. Yeah. Because we do not have the benefit of history. Yeah, we don't have distance either. I th- I think that even World at War had a lot of those moments if you played that campaign. Like it was a very frustrating campaign at times, but it had great missions. And I I love the character of Reznov. Yeah. He was made kind of a joke in uh, Black Ops, like kind of like weird ghost character that uh, Mason kept seeing. The Tyler Durden. Yeah, but yeah. he was an actual character in World at War, and he worked really well. And yeah, you had that Russians taking uh, what was it, Berlin? And that was a really great scene, really great mission
0: mm-hmm.
2: of like the Russians basically looking at the it 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 seemed playing through that scene, that, like, the way Russia looked at Germany was much different than, like, the way Germans are kind of painted in in American history in World War II. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, just look at, like, the, what is it, the internet rule, like, 32 or something. Yeah, Godwin's Law. If you compare someone to a, a Nazi, the conversation's instantly over. Like, Nazis are officially a punchline now.
1: And that every conversation or every discussion will eventually get to a Nazi comparison, and then it's done. Right.
2: But for better or for worse, um, the German the the Russians didn't see the Germans in the cor- sort of like cartoonish evil like murder all Jews sense. Like they saw them as brutal human beings who viciously attacked their country and needed to fucking pay. Yep. And so there was a certain sense of, like, satisfaction. Like, it didn't feel like you were a force for, like, good. Like, Americans, like, paint themselves in World War II as, like, we're fucking heroes. It's like, no, it's the difference between, like, you're fucking Batman and you're the fucking Punisher. Like, that's... The Russians see themselves as, like, an instrument of vengeance. Like, they are bringing down a fury on you for even thinking of going against them.
0: I mean, it's a very different scenario for them, too, which I'm, gl- I'm glad the game reflected that, you know, with their country being invaded, with tens of millions of lives lost. So I you know, think it's
2: it's almost impossible to expect modern Call of Duty games to achieve that kind of emotional resonance because none of this is real. This is all fabricated.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the other part of it to do with history is that that's the last war that's going to be so easily romanticized because from then on, like the Korean War is not nearly as well documented, but even then the the documentation that's most easily comes to hand as a pop culture reference is MASH. And that's not exactly as heroic sounding as Americans' interest in World War II was. And then from there you have the Vietnam era and further forward where it's it's very similar to with how Americans view politics in America post-Watergate, which is with much more cynicism and a bit more recoil at the horror of the actuality versus the romantic ideal that still kind of existed through World War II. I think it's the opposite, too. Like, uh, World War II,
2: a lot of that information was achieved well after the fact, whereas post-World War II, you had a lot more transparency or a lot more journalism going into the active conflict going on and when you know the decisions being made while it's happening I think you're a lot less likely to romanticize war I'm sure like if we had a lot of active press going on during World War II and we knew a lot of the decisions being made maybe we wouldn't see it as quite so good versus evil well it's not that it's not that it was plenty of heinous shit in World War II as well
1: It's not that it was covered so differently. It's because in Vietnam, they had actual television cameras in the shit.
2: Yeah. So
1: more information
2: during war makes it a lot less likely to see it as something good. Right. No matter what end you're trying to achieve.
0: Hmm. Hmm. And that leads to a very thought-provoking question about the nature of war, which we will not discuss here. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you guys really want to,
1: no, um, for no. Me. For me, it's probably
0: for the best
2: that Call of Duty is not actively based on any real ongoing conflict, because God, that would be so messy.
0: Yeah. I don't,
2: I don't think World War or Modern Warfare even took place in any actual Middle Eastern countries, right? Mm. I don't remember. Like you never actually went to Afghanistan you are in, like, fictitious
1: Middle Eastern country. Brown people stand. The place where all these modern combat games live.
2: Yeah. And I'm... Like we often do in this podcast, like, we can often easily dip into kind of, like, negative Nancy territory. We do this because we want to be better. To do better. I'm enjoying the game. Like, the campaign is a lot of fun. But I, I'm I, I almost you feel like they care about the story yeah. being told and not just like shoot shoot bang bang blow up then yeah. do better.
0: Yeah, like it's it's a game where like I feel like it the series started out with some heart and that really and some inspiration and like an eagerness to like demonstrate that you can show and tell some very interesting stories and vignettes with this medium. And four was an excellent example of that and like when I find that I'm enjoying the explosions more than anything else in the game, I, I'm like, okay, well, that's fine, but this is something that can do better.
1: Yeah, and this kind of does this does a disservice to our own enthusiasm that we were feeling last week before the uh, game fully came out. Like, there were reviews that were hitting after the embargo was lifted, and I was like, oh, guys, guys, Hype Train! This yeah, thing looks really good!
0: We don't talk about the Hype Train here, but um It is yeah, real. Well, we're writing it right now. Oh, but... man. It, it, it was real and it was strong. <laughs> oh, I know. I did a 180 on that game in about the span of four hours. But, um, <clears throat> but that's, that's me anyway. I mean, <laughs> but like, I, I, and I, I will say that, you know, for talking shit about explosions being the reason to play a game, this game has the most, like, when I say jaw dropping, I mean, my, lit- my mouth hung open literally for 30 seconds during this one sequence toward the end of the game. And, that's gotta be worth something. Now, you playing... just...
1: This is something we should have established a while ago. Are you playing on um, current consoles or previous gen?
0: Current. I'm playing on PS4.
1: Okay. And Tyler, you're on PS4 as well, or?
0: God, yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. So I'm the only one on PS3, and it's still like a pretty good looking
0: game. Good.
1: I'm, I'm, uh, not I'm guessing
0: a... the cutscenes are all CG anyway, so.
1: Yeah, the CG looks amazing, and then you change that back virtual into the real Troy Baker. Oh, <laughs> so dreamy. So dreamy. <laughs> that virtual spacey.
0: There's always a Troy Baker. There's always a lighthouse.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen a Troy Baker that looked like this Troy Baker. That's true. Like other versions of him in games have looked similar. You can see sh- shades of Troy Barker, Troy, Troy Baker, in uh, Mordor, and you can see him in Delson Rowe and in Infamous. But you look oh, at God, he's Delson. Yeah. But you can look at Mitchell in Call of Duty and it's like, yo, straight up, this is fucking Troy Baker.
1: Yep.
0: Three, and, all three disc-based games I have for my PS4 right now star Troy Baker. Wow. <laughs>
1: the the he, Nolan North 2014 award goes to Tra- Troy Baker.
0: He is, tru- he is
1: truly Nolan <laughs> and North And Nolan North is an infamous too. Oh God.
0: <laughs> Wait, what? Nolan North is an infamous as well. Who is he? He's the phone guy who leaves you the hard drive drops oh <laughs> it sounds just like him
1: uh, um
2: i never even considered that
1: <laughs> that, is, that is kind of a cool thing they're doing with this game is most of the voiced characters the uh, in-game models are basically just the person who did the voice acting that is cool that means i mean spacey spacey troy baker is your playable character and like the russian woman ilona is ba- that's basically her as well
2: I, Great performance by the, way. the Kevin Space Vig. I, I gotta imagine the rest of the cast is just like sort of a cost saving measure based on motion capture and modeling new characters.
0: I'm not sure. I mean, if you're doing a lot of stunts, typically they want to hire like a mocap crew, but uh a lot of games in the past used to have a voice actor uh and then they would just lip sync onto someone doing mocap.
1: Yeah, it'd be, the, it'd be their a head of, like, on top facial, of it. Yeah. yeah,
0: facial and voice, and then someone else's body. Yeah. It does feel like we've made some progress
2: out of the Uncanny Valley. Like, mm-hmm. maybe as a result of motion capture, or maybe as a result of basing it on real people. But, mm-hmm. I mean, in the in the cutscenes, like, Mitchell looks like Troy Baker, and he looks realistic, and he doesn't look creepy in the way that past virtual characters have looked like. Yeah. Like, they want to murder me.
0: And, like, I've been watching Kevin Spacey's face very closely. Like, he's an actor <laughs> I know really well. I have... It looks like the real thing. You like, want that, Spacey? I'm, I'm struggling to find some, some tell that, like, that's... And, like,
2: yeah. He he reminds me a lot of uh, Gary Oldman as Reznov in that... Unlike, <sighs> he's so good. Unlike um, Sam Worthington, none of this feels phoned in. Like... Mm-hmm. Either he is just such a pro that he will give you a good performance no matter what the project, or he legitimately gives a shit about Call of Duty. Either way, I'm totally okay with it.
1: Yeah, it's he, it's just yeah. class shining through. Like, he is so good that he can he can mail it in and it still looks like this.
2: I don't think he mailed it in, though. That's what I'm saying, is this... Ah. It feels like a very solid performance, and he is... It's a great performance. As, like, the only character that's really given, like, any sort of... I struggle to say depth, but (laughs) when literally no one else has any sort of characterization going on, like, that's all that really exists. But even his character is, like, puddle deep.
1: Well, it's still just even an anomaly for so many first-person shooters and so many AAA action games as well. Mm.
0: I will say that you get to see more of the depth and complexity of his performance as the game goes on. The character is still very much like a one-note, like, power mongering capitalist war dude but um yeah he he brings some really good like he brings his a game to some of the scenes i was really impressed by that yeah.
1: yeah i was happy to see the uh all right i'm not as far in as you guys are i've been playing other games and got distracted or my ps3 got taken up by having to install a couple gigs of add-ons for another game i was installing and it, that took a a lot longer than expected, so I haven't played as much single-player. Also, I've been dying a lot because I'm really bad at games. There you go, Tyler. And But just even so far, as far as I am, I've been really impressed with everything in the game.
0: Yeah. So, one more question for you guys? Sure. Where do they go from here? We've got go can, can you go back to Call of Duty without a jetpack?
2: Um... Not Modern Warfare. Like, you can't do any recent conflicts anymore. I would actually be kind of curious if they would go back to, like, a classical or historical conflict. Like, if you did see another World War II Call of Duty, that could be interesting again. Now that we're on new platforms and everything, kind of see, like, that new fidelity brought to a World War II setting. I feel like it's been long enough now that no one has that World War II fatigue anymore.
1: Yeah. If anything, and there's modern fatigue.
2: Yeah, and I think the audience has changed, too. Like, I think the... the, I mean, it shooters are, for better or for worse, kind of a young audience. So I hmm. think that the people currently playing Call of Duty maybe don't have that experience playing World War II shooters.
0: Hmm.
1: And yeah, because like we're we're talking about Call of Duty three was the last one and that was a no,
0: World of War. World at War.
1: World at War was? Okay.
0: Yes. Yep. It came but... out after Call of Duty four. Right. Yep, two thousand and eight. And that's six Keeper Sutherland. Yep. Oh god, I forgot about that. <laughs> the voice
1: of Snake. But, but that that World of was weather. World at War was mostly Pacific, wasn't it? Yes. Yep. Yeah. It was so uh, there has... Pacific
2: and Russia. Ah. Uh, or at least the invasion of eastern Germany.
1: Yep. So the last year, real European centric, like classic World War II shooter that we all knew and got tired of, like that was Call of Duty 3, which was a launch game basically for the last generation for the Xbox 360.
0: Was it? I don't know if it was on the yeah. 360. It, it was not a launch game.
1: Was it? Call, Call of Duty, Duty 2. 2 was.
0: Yeah. Oh, Call of Duty 2, sorry. For some so reason, did. I think of Call of Duty 3 as being like a PS2 game, but.
2: There know, was a even... different
0: version of it on, on PS2, I think, and it was kind of janky
2: well 3 on any platform was pretty janky.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, if we're talking about the game being a cross-platform with PS2, then that kind of makes the point that it's been a while for these games. Yeah, for that era.
2: But I mean, people have talked a lot about going to Vietnam. That's always a terrible idea that is not a conflict that needs romanticizing.
0: No, I think you just stop with um Apocalypse now and call it good. Yeah. yeah. Um, but or I think you know, World maybe War Two II...
2: go farther back. Maybe go to like World War One.
1: That'd be tough to do though, because of the nature of that combat. Yeah,
2: I'm not saying that's you could where a third person came around that, but as a series that is constantly jumping narratives, yeah. you could
1: easily have flashbacks. That's true. And World War One is a like criminally under talked about period of time. Really hundred years ago, time to be a human, yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Or maybe some of the conflicts leading up to World War II as well.
0: Or hell, let's go even farther back. Let's go to Civil War. No. Let's go to the Revolutionary War, but except make you climb trees and then use a hidden dagger to stab people.
1: No. (laughs) That would never work. They tried that. (laughs) I can't remember who, but somebody somebody tried that, didn't they?
0: Yeah, I
2: think it was a Far Cry game. As long as they don't try to hand-handedly make you a Native American. Oh, God. That
0: would be so terrible.
2: That'd be the yeah. worst. Who could we possibly just, think that'd be a
0: good idea? Can we include like a two minute of just shitting on Assassin's Creed three se- sequence in every podcast from now on?
1: Yup. Okay. Because Assassin's Creed three was the worst. It
0: was. garbage. It was not the worst. It was. It was the worst in the series.
1: Uh... <laughs> hey, at least Assassin's Creed one back and didn't have Assassin. a. It didn't have a eight hour tutorial.
2: No, oh, but that game didn't do a lot of different things.
0: <laughs> no, but neither does eh, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't hold up now, but at least at least Altair and the world they had with like Jerusalem and like that whole like yeah, Crusades era.
2: Well, Revolutionary War is a pretty unique time period to talk to present in games too.
0: It is. I would love to see a
1: tactical strategy game in the Revolutionary War. Yeah but I don't think a climbing around on stuff game is exactly set for that period of time and place. Now you make me want a sleepy hollow game,
0: Nick. That would be pretty pretty dope. <laughs> Alright. We, we've well, squeezed
2: about all the blood from the stone that we can for now.
0: Yeah, we've talked enough about this game. We'll put it to bed. Maybe it'll come up next week, but I figure by the next podcast, I'll be playing Assassin's Creed Unity. Um, we'll probably have some new stuff to talk about. Is anyone else getting that? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's next-gen only, so... I'm,
2: I'm definitely waiting to see how the game is received critically. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm still like playing through uh, Black Flag now that I have on mm-hmm. PS4, and I am enjoying that a lot more now than I did when I played the PS3 version last year.
0: Gotcha. Well, that's good. It's, it's the best Assassin's Creed game, I want to say, since Brotherhood. Black yeah, Black. I'm... yeah.
2: I'm a little disappointed that the multiplayer is not going to be in Unity.
0: The co-op sounds cool, though.
2: Yeah, but I always really enjoyed uh, Assassin's Creed uh, competitive multiplayer.
0: You know, I played it for like a weekend every year that game came out, and then I just stopped. But I love the concept.
2: Yeah, it never hooked me in the way like a Call of Duty did. But it's it's wholly unique, and what it I'm offers. guessing that's
0: why it's not there anymore, though.
2: Hmm. Well,
0: I don't know that I don't know that it had a very long tail. Still, maybe support, it's also think, too tough to develop for next yeah. gen.
1: Maybe they need another a year, another year in the oven for it to be produced for next gen.
0: And the
2: thing that kind of bothers me about uh, Unity's co-op, I don't know if they're trying to like shoehorn in narratively, but whereas like the old multiplayer gave you a very diverse group to choose from in terms of who you're playing as, all the dudes in uh, Assassin's Creed Unity kind of look like just more assassins in different colored hoods. They're basically yeah. the fucking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles of assassins.
0: Well, they're like part of the brotherhood, right? So they have a uniform.
2: Alright, I understand that. But Union you can dues. still have different races, different body types, different genders, and they chose to not oh, no. do any Oh no, you can't that.
0: have women in Assassin's Creed. We talked about this. But Technology doesn't permit it.
2: But they've had playable women in multiplayer.
0: <laughs> I know, they had playable Aveline in their own game. It's, it's all stupid. Yeah. yeah, it is. Let's not go down this path. But yeah, every excuse they've given has been kind of bullshit. I agree with you. I am not looking forward to that aspect of the game. I hope that as a return to form for the series, I hope it succeeds, so. mm. though. I don't know. I may wait to open it until I see your reviews, but... Um, you already bought that it, Cry but... Well, yeah, but I can always return it. Okay.
1: True. I think I'll be playing Call of Duty for a bit though, because I I want to give the multiplayer a shot, and I really haven't given any multiplayer game a shot in a long, long time.
0: It's it's good stuff. I think that um, there's that if you're feeling a little bit rusty, there's that like combat readiness mode that is unranked and kind of just gives you a chance to mess yeah. around in a consequence-free. I, I'll definitely that, need it because I, I do not
1: have the earned like seasoned, you know battle wits and ability like it doesn't fall to place where with other people where they're like oh they just need to adjust for this difference in the game or this new addition for this year like I'm starting from square one for a lot of it
0: okay so hold L1 to aim L1 R1
1: <laughs> L1 R1 I know that I, I know that conceptually I just haven't practiced it that much which is why I'm going through the, the single player campaign and dying a lot
0: to be fair I die a lot in the single player campaign because I hate taking cover in those games
1: well, the, taking cover it it is not as sticky as like a uh, Gears of War or yep. other games. And then also there's people that sometimes the AI goes around and flanks you, and you're in cover, and it says you're getting shot, get to cover. Like I fucking am in cover. And then watch you out die. for the grenade indicator.
2: <laughs> and I die yeah. a lot because I'm a big boy and I play Unheartened.
1: Well, aren't aren't your balls so, enormous?
2: I know it's really difficult to sh- shop for pants.
0: So I'm gonna end this podcast. Um,
2: what you don't want to talk about my enormous intestines?
0: I'd rather you're, you're, talk about no, no anything else. Uh, but I mean, good conversation. I guess we'll talk more about the game as it comes up. Uh, oh yeah, one last thing. Do you think this is a top ten contender?
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: So far, I'm I'm very early, but yeah, definitely.
0: In terms of what we discussed uh, last week with like
2: the whole AAA and that we're looking for. ...sort of self-awareness in games, this feels like a game that is self-aware. Like, not in a tongue-in-cheek sort of way, but just sort of, like, we acknowledge what this series has become... ...and what the culture is around shooters right now.
1: Yeah, it's become a better, like, big tentpole action popcorn thing than in it, years past.
2: It is reacting, and it is not just delivering more of the same in a better package. Yeah. It is a better package, but it is better in newer and interesting ways.
1: Cool. It's kind of the answer to that question we had last week. Yep. Which is good. And I hope that a couple other games that are still to come out can answer that as well.
2: Progress.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Dear
0: Far Cry 4, please don't be terrible. Yeah, because oh, I want to get I wonder get if I'm
2: still like hyped for that game now that I have a good shooter to play. I know they're kind of different shooters, but she I'm kind would, of thinking about would.
0: holding off on it. I don't know.
1: I may drag you into that one, kicking and screaming, just because I I didn't have the time in Fall Car- Far Cry Three, so this is going to be very new to me.
0: I would just go pick up Far Cry Three for ten
1: bucks at this point. Okay. No it's not ten bucks here though, and I don't PSN? think it's ten bucks on PSN. Is it? Mm-hmm.
2: It's probably twenty.
1: Yeah, I think it's not. I think it's, it's still it. twenty or so.
0: It's definitely worth twenty bucks. It's a great. It's a great game, despite okay. its flaws. It's, it's so good.
1: Yes, but. On the other hand, Far Cry 3 is not eligible for our Game of the Year discussion. That's why we want to get prepared for.
0: I'll make it eligible if you make Minecraft eligible.
1: I'll make that eligible if you make Diablo 3 Reaper of Shadows or Reaper of Souls eligible. Let's not get
2: into these Faustian bargains here. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I know. There'll be plenty of time for that.
1: Yes. (laughs) Let's not jump the gun too early.
0: Yeah, not yet. Um, But I'm going to cap this because we're almost to an hour, so... uh, Real quick, Tyler. Where can people find you on the internet?
1: Uh,
2: you can find me at most social services as Tyler A. Martin, and most gaming services as that jerk Tyler.
1: Doug, on Twitter at Douglas Bonham, and on PSN Harper DC, and playing other things really
0: poorly. And I'm Nick Cummings on virtually everything social, and YMOG, W H Y M O G, on PSN. If you want to play some Call of Duty. Uh, Thanks, guys. Really appreciate the conversation. We'll be back next week. So long. And one final note we forgot to include on this episode. Uh, We actually recently created a email address where you can send us all your burning questions about games. Video games. Board games. Card games. Playground games. Games that you play by yourself. Games that you play with magnets. I don't know. Any kind of game you want. So if you want to just send us an email for anything at all, except nothing about wwe supercar we have an agreement please send your emails to questions at silicon sasquatch.com we'll do our best to uh, read through those and we'll answer the best ones we can on the next episode and just keep doing that forever and ever until the end of time cool thank you so much we look forward to hearing from you silicon sasquatch is an independent blog covering the social and cultural significance of games based in portland oregon our five team members are Doug Bonham, Nick Cummings, Tyler Martin, Aaron Thayer, and Spencer Tordoff. This episode of the Squatchcast was produced by Nick Cummings. We publish new essays, editorials, analyses, and everything in between all the time at siliconsasquatch.com. Follow along on Facebook at facebook.com siliconsasquatch, or on Twitter, where we are at Sasquatch Gaming. If you enjoyed our show please tell your friends and subscribe to future episodes on itunes or stitcher radio as always thanks for listening and we'll be back next week with another episode